Ian, who was who was your favorite character in the movie? And I'm just gonna keep it simple. Favorite character in the movie. Um, how are you like? I'm about that guy. That guy's cool. I'm just sneakily looking up his name again because <laughs> I always forget it. A little disclosure for this episode: I'm not going to. I've seen this movie like maybe twelve times now. I'm not gonna know any names. <laughs> 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 I found it. I found his name. What's okay. his name? I, all right, my favorite character, and I think this is probably most people's favorite character. It's got to be Big Man Sangkwa. Ah, yes. He's just who you would aspire to be in that situation. And he's just got such charisma, too. His wife hasn't even given birth yet, but he's already just a dad. Yeah, for sure. Major dad energy. Welcome to Paths of Fear. I'm Marshall. And <laughs> <laughs> I can't speak, so I'll let Ian describe Paths of Fear. <laughs> As you can tell, uh, Marshall's voice has, uh, I maybe you could argue it's an upgrade, but um, it's like second puberty. <laughs> anyway, he's not, he, yeah, he's a little out of it right now. So I'll, uh, I'll introduce the show. <laughs> Welcome to Paths of Fear, the weekly podcast where we give our takes on horror movies and explore the opinions of our audience. We already introduced ourselves. That's Marshall. I'm Ian. And today we'll be having a look at Train to Busan, a zombie action horror film made in 2016, written by Park Joo-suk and directed by Young Sang-ho. Um, another disclaimer, probably pronouncing all of these names wrong throughout the entire thing. Uh, so my bad on that. Let's, uh, let's just start. Where, uh, where, where did you rate this movie? What did you give it? I gave this movie... A nine out of ten. Hot damn! All right. If see, and this is this is what's crazy, right? I was thinking on it, and I was gonna give this movie a nine point five out of ten, but mm -hmm. I honestly don't know what I would have liked to see from it more. I don't know like anything it really did wrong, so I'd honestly just have to give this movie my first ten out of ten, possibly my only. It's like my favorite movie. Yeah, I, I can't blame you there. I actually even I even thought about giving it a 10 out of 10 as well. Um, and even a 9.5 out of 10. Uh, I could probably give it that. Nine's where I landed on, but no, I think and it's not that I it's not that I can't say they did anything wrong. The only reason why I'm not giving it a 10 out of 10 is because I did not enjoy it quite as much as the other movie I've given a 10 out of 10, which is uh, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. Oh, okay. <laughs> and that's the only reason. Cool. So I, I, our score lands on a 9.5 out of 10, which might be the best you ever see out of us. Yeah, that's it's the highest score you've had so far. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, can't, I can't. That's a hard one to beat. Uh, like Unless we is. both agree or we go like with a 9.5 and a 10, that's that's about it. Mm -hmm. which honestly i mean this could have been that as well it's pretty close so mm. 
this also makes me think back to some movies I read it pretty highly, and I'm like, ah, oh, I gotta, I've messed up my whole scale. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't as good as this. I'm pretty sure I gave Mother like a nine or something. I'm sorry, Mother, but you're not as good as this movie to me. So I don't know, man. I'm gonna have to like revise some mother. stuff. I need to, I need to shift my scale. Um. Anyways, um. What's the audience's score of this movie? How'd they like it? I, I just did the average in my head, and it could be a little wrong, but I think it's an 8.1. Nice. Um, Pretty good. What what What's like the lowest and highest that we got? So we had one person vote seven, because I, I don't know, they're a hater. But um, <laughs> How dare they? I know. How dare they just enjoy the movie instead I know. of loving it? That freaking son of a gun. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, We had five people give it an eight, and two people give it a nine. So... I, I think audience-wise, this is a really widely enjoyed movie as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I know we did a little out of order this time. I think I usually do the teaser before we give the scores, but I mean, hey, let's, hey. we're trying something new, so. <laughs> who, who knows, man? You just, you know, for, go for your, uh, let's hear the teaser, Ian, and then let's, let's hop into some questions, and then we'll, we'll hit us up with that fat summary. All right, let's do it. <laughs> A chemical leak at a biotech plant creates a zombie outbreak near Seoul, South Korea. Meanwhile, a cynical workaholic and divorced hedge fund manager prepares reluctantly to take his daughter to visit her mother in Busan. Selfishness and heroism light the way in this tale of survival and humanity. If anything can repair this man's relationship with his daughter and divert him from his current path of superficiality and status, it's surviving on the train to Busan. I like it. it. It dawned on me, like, hold on, train to Busan. Uh, this is this might be an easy one to fit into the teaser this time. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of is. Gravy was a little bit of a stretch. I was uh, that was like, okay, okay, I see you on that gravy one. <laughs> hereditary was hereditary is pretty impressive. This one was kind of handed though. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It definitely was. <laughs> um, what what makes this movie stand out so much for you, Ian? Oh, I I really think that. Uh, number one, num- absolutely number one for me, it is the characters. I feel like the characters have depth. I feel for them. I care about them. Um, some of them I hate with a passion. Uh, just like they feel like real. And and I, I connect with some and despise others. Like the characters are just so well developed. So that's number one. And number two is the uh, and, and you'll find this, I think, on probably any review of uh, Train to Busan, I would think, is it has a really amazing uh, sort of background narrative on on class and society and especially uh, South Korea and, and South Korean culture, um, you know, from from homeless to middle class to, to rich. It is a, um, a fantastic narrative on, on class divisions and warfare. So amazing those are the biggest two reasons why i think this why this movie is set apart not just from other horror movies but especially from other zombie movies and you see i it it sets itself apart really well and it's a movie i recommend to non-horror fans because like yes it's zombies but it's not particularly terrifying and it uh Mm -hmm. it stands out just as a movie the same way like i recommend logan to people because it's a great movie even though it is a superhero movie like I just tell people, this is a great movie, whether you like superheroes or not. Like whether you like horror, whether you like zombies or not, Train to Busan is a great film. 
Yeah, it, it's very approachable. And I think mm. that, I mean, zombies really turned into this fad. And I mean, it's it's been around for a long time. Of course, zombies have been around for a long time. Um, but it really did turn into this fad, fad of, uh, you know, tons of zombie movies and then parodies of the zombie movies. And uh, I think you could feel left out of that and not really understand it. But this right here, standalone, is just a great story. Exactly. And it, just, yeah. it has zombies in it. But it's a, just a fantastic story. And I feel like zombie-wise, we never find anything as like heart-touching as this film. No doubt. Yeah, not not to say there aren't other great zombie movies out there. Uh, one of my favorites, 28 Days Later, um, definitely hits some, I mean, it, good characters, you know, hits some uh, good emotional points. But yeah, this this movie holds a special place in my, my cinematic heart. <laughs> I like that. So uh, hit us with a summary. Sounds good. The movie begins with a truck driver moving through a sanitization checkpoint, which was set up due to a chemical leak at a nearby biotech plant. After getting through the checkpoint, he hits a deer and appears to have killed it, but as he drives away, the deer reanimates, and thus the infection has begun. In the following scene, we're introduced to hedge fund manager Seo Sikwu. After getting a call from a higher-up, Sikwu tells one of his analysts, Kim to sell all related funds of some company, despite Kim warning him that such a move will have serious repercussions for other investors. But Sik Wu doesn't seem to care and calls such individuals lemmings. Sik Wu returns home and we learn that he's divorced and his mother and daughter are currently living with him. His daughter, Suan, wants to spend her upcoming birthday with her mother who lives in Busan. But Suk Wu is reluctant to let her go as he's determined to raise his daughter himself and claims he can take her another time. To soothe her, he reveals his birthday gift to her, a Wii, forgetting that she already has one. After his failed gift, Suan convinces him to take her to see her mom. He also appears to feel some guilt after watching a recording of Suan suffering from stage fright while singing Aloha at a recital he could not attend. The next day, the two depart from Busan on an early train out of Seoul Station. Here, we're introduced to several other characters, including working-class Yong Sung-hwa and his pregnant wife Sung Kyung, COO Yong Suk, train attendant Ki Chol, elderly sisters Ingil and Jung Gil, as well as a high school baseball team that includes baseball player Ming Yong Guk and cheerleader Kim Jin Hee. As the train departs, an infected woman runs aboard unnoticed just before the doors close. She dashes into a nearby bathroom and desperately tries to tend to her wounds. Later, Yong Suk mentions to the train attendants that someone strange might have gotten on board, and that they're in the bathroom. One of the train attendants opens the door and reveals a homeless stowaway murmuring about everyone being dead. Meanwhile, the infected woman begins walking through the train as her condition deteriorates, till she eventually collapses on the floor and convulses. An attendant goes to help her, but the woman soon turns into a zombie, attacks the attendant, and causes a cascade of other passengers to quickly turn into zombies. Sik Wu grabs his daughter and runs towards the back of the train with other passengers, and as he passes one of the train doors, he closes it on Sung Kwa and his wife Sung Kyung, as directed by the COO Yong Suk. Sung Kwa beats back a pursuing zombie, forces the door back open, and closes it on the rest of the zombie horde. 
At this point, the passengers learn that the zombies can't operate the train's doors, and also that blocking their line of sight keeps them from attacking. The passengers learn of the rapidly spreading epidemic across the country from news on the train's TVs, and the train's conductor informs them that they'll be stopping at Daejeon Station, which has supposedly been secured by the army. Sok-woo overhears Yong-suk asking someone on the phone if it's safe to stop at Daejeon, and he decides to use his connections as well to try to secure safe travels for Suwon and himself. He calls Lieutenant Min under Lemmings in his phone contact list, and learns they'll be quarantined at Daejeon. He then asks Min to help him and his daughter escape to somewhere safer, which Min agrees to. The train stopped at Daejeon, and the passengers disembark into the vacant station. Young Suk, after talking with one of his connections, tells the conductor they should continue to Busan, as the city is still open and not quarantined. But the conductor refuses to leave everyone else behind, and wants to check out the station first, as he was directed to. As everyone walks through the empty station, Suk-woo takes his daughter down a side hallway to meet with Lieutenant Min's men and is followed by the homeless man from the train. After realizing what was happening, his daughter accuses Suk-woo of only caring about himself and that that's why mom left him. As it turns out, both Min's men and, other, and the other soldiers have become zombies who charge the group. The passengers run back for the train, many of them dying along the way. Sang-hwa picks up and saves Suan, and he runs with his wife Seong-hyung out of the station and begins barricading the station's doors. Sak-woo is tackled by a zombie and nearly killed, but is saved when the homeless man drops his jacket over the zombie's head, blocking its line of sight and allowing Sik-woo to escape it. Sak-woo, Sang-hwa, and the high school baseball team work to keep the station doors closed as the other passengers escape. Most of the surviving passengers, including Yong Suk, Jin Hee, Ki Chul, and Ingil's sister, Jong Gil, safely board the front cars while Suwon, Seong Kyung, Ingil, and the homeless man find themselves between two cars of zombies and take shelter in the restrooms. Suk Woo and Yong Guk, Song Kwa, and two of Yong Guk's three surviving classmates race to board the moving train after the zombies break through their barricades. During the escape, Yong Guk's friends are killed and infected. The remaining trio then barely manage to get into one of the train's cars before it continues on its way to Busan. Soon after their escape, Sukwu, Jungkook, and Songhua learn of their trapped loved ones and prepare to rescue them, planning to leave from car 9, get them from the car 13 restroom, and escape to car 15, where Jin Hee has told Jungkook the rest of the survivors are located. The group makes their way through the zombie-infested cars, beating zombies back in lesser-populated cars, and using the cover of darkness from tunnels along the route to cross through the cars with too many zombies for them to fight. The trio reunites with the separated group and continues moving towards the safe front cars, but inadvertently alert the zombies right before reaching the safe car. The zombies attack before they're able to completely close the train door, forcing Suk-woo and Sang-hwa to stay back and hold the door closed while the others escape. But Yong Suk has convinced Kichul and the other passengers that they are potentially infected and they should not be allowed into the safe car. Sung Kwa sacrifices himself to give Suk Wu and the others time to break through the sealed door and escape into the safe car. Ing Gil is slow to react, however, and is caught by the zombies. Yong Suk and attendant Kichul lead the other passengers in the front cars to force Sik Wu's group into a closed vestibule on the other side of the car believing them to be infected. While in this vestibule, Sukwu is contacted by analyst Kim, who seems to indicate their company might have been involved with the biotech company's chemical leak. 
Back in the safe car, Jong-gil, shaken by the passenger's selfishness and her sister Ingle's death, opens the car door, letting the zombies into the front car, killing all the passengers except for Yong-suk and Ki-cho, who manage to escape into a restaurant. The train is forced to stop near East Dogo Station due to a blocked track, forcing the survivors to seek a new train. The conductor goes to retrieve this new train from a nearby station. Yong Suk pushes Kichol to the zombies to cover his escape from the train restroom, and Suk Wu, Suwan, Seong Kion, Yong Guk, Jin Hee, and the homeless man try to find a way to pass through a train filled with zombies blocking their way to the left side of the track, where the conductor said he'd put the new train. While looking for a clear car to pass through, a runaway train cascades down the track and throws the zombie-filled train off the tracks, separating Yong-guk and Jin-hee from the others who have become trapped under the train. Yong-guk and Jin-hee find a safe place to cross through the train, but as they pass through, Yong-suk comes from behind and throws Jin-hee to the pursuing zombies to distract them. Jin-hee is bitten and infected, and Yong-suk stays with her until she reanimates and infects him as well. Yong Suk trips on his way towards the new and moving train, and the conductor comes to help him up. Yong Suk throws the conductor to the zombies as well, but he is bitten before he makes his way onto the new train. Suk Wu Suan, Seong Kion, and the homeless man, trapped under the zombie infested train car, look for a way to escape. Suk Wu works to move a heavy piece of debris blocking the only exit, while the homeless man holds back and suing zombies. He sacrifices himself while the others escape, finding the new train on its way out of there. They chase and board the train, narrowly escaping the zombie horde. Soon after, a zombified Yong Suk attacks Sik Wu and bites him before Sik Wu can throw him from the engine. Knowing he will turn, he quickly tells Yong Kyung to activate the brake when it's safe and says his farewells to his sobbing daughter before throwing himself off the engine. Seong Kyung and Suan are forced to stop at a blocked tunnel just before Busan and walk. At the tunnel's exit, military snipers prepare to fire, believing the two to be possibly infected, until they hear Suan sob singing Loa. They then realize the pair are human and help them to safety. Whew, that was a hard one. That's... Those things are tricky. Also, I think she, I think she's singing Aloha Way, right? Uh, yeah, I don't I don't actually I, know how to say the song's name. I, think, I was basing I, it. I think that someone said it's like from like Stitch or something. Actually, that song, like it's used in like the Stitch movies, Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, hmm, that, that that could be actually. Yeah, I was um I was basing it on the Wikipedia page for this movie. <laughs> um. They might have gotten it wrong, but I read it as Aloha, uh, or Aloha, 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 I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> I can't I tried to sing it for you guys, but I'll spare you that. Um, Aloha, Aloha. Yeah. But, uh. I'll edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh. The whole movie, like I, what blows me away is I never get tired of it. I always cry exactly, uh, three times. Uh, it never, it never ceases to amaze me. No matter how much I watch it, and it, uh, yeah, I liked what you were saying about it not being. Um, oh god! Right before we went to the summary, you were talking about how there's like, other you're talking about how there's other zombie movies out there, none quite like this. 
And uh, I think mm-hmm. that this movie explores the zombie a lot less than other movies, and it really it really focuses on the human dynamic, which when you come down to it, all zombie stories are really about the human dynamic and human nature than it actually is about zombies. Um, mm-hmm. But this movie leans into that a lot more, and zombies are really just kind of the precedent for what's going on. It, yeah, it really does. Um, the zombies are just... They're like the plot device to make the story work. Exactly. But you're not really supposed to be interested in the zombies. Like, it is all about the people and, and their survival. And uh, that being said, I do find the zombies, they're uh, they're your classic. So they're rage zombies, which we get from 28 Days Later. Uh, they just run super fast. Um, and they're on alert. And they aren't flesh eaters. They're infectors. So what they do is... They bite once and then like, all right, got you. And then they go on to the next one. They don't just like sit yeah, there. Yeah, it's, it's like tag. Yeah, exactly. Just like a really <laughs> bad form of tag. Yeah, it's like a really painful tag. Um, yeah, and I and I guess, um, so I guess I would categorize them as like rage zombie. Yes, definitely. Um, and then there's some, so you've got, and this usually goes with rage zombie, but it's like pandemic zombie, rage zombie, and what you might be able to call swarm zombie. Yeah. Well, um, the, the general terms are like zombies are typically Romero or rage Romero just mm-hmm. being kind of, what we see from night of the living dead. Uh, they're, they're just that slow moving zombie. Yeah, you can, or, or the walking dead. Yeah, exactly. Most popular in the walking dead. They, uh, they're that slow zombie. If you see one, you're fine. You can finish making your sandwich and then get them. Um, <laughs> but like a rage zombie, you gotta you gotta run when there's even just one. But if there's multiple, you you're really in trouble. And it's interesting that they use rage zombies because Romeros are typically the ones that will allow for that human dynamic to be explored more because they're mm-hmm. le- they're just as they're written, they're less of a threat. They're less of an immediate threat, so you get to focus on the people more. Whereas rage zombies, they are a real threat. So like scenes with them typically become about the zombie, but they don't really let this happen in this movie. Even when they are the immediate threat. It moves the characters so much in those scenes, and it's really well done. Yeah, and it is always about the characters interacting with each other, not really them just interacting with the zombies. Yeah, 100%. Um, there's this whole thing that starts right from the beginning of just, like, who exactly is our main character? Um, Siok Wu, I think his name is? Yeah, Siok Wu. Um, and it comes first, like, we see little drops of it of, like, what happened with him and his wife. Um, mm-hmm. exactly why they divorced. You kind of presume it's because he was a jerk and invested in his job, but it's also kind of implied that like she wasn't exactly there and she wasn't exactly super supportive. Um, but I think for the most part, it's accepted that he was just a jerk too invested in his job. Uh, didn't care, but d- didn't seem to be giving enough to his family when, and they kind of lead to the idea that he's just misunderstood that he's really so invested in his job because he cares so much about his family. Um, mm-hmm. he's doing it for them and that's an interesting balance as a parent that I don't think I can relate to but like how much do I invest in my family outside of spending time with them and but then also spending time with them how do you find that balance yeah and that's actually something that Song Hua talks to him about later like once they're not so angry at each other um, Song Hua like admits that like um, or says to I think comfort him that Swan will understand when she's older that he sacrificed for her. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. At the start of the movie, they also start laying the foundation of what exactly is wrong 
with his character. Uh, and I think that sort of starts with the first conversation we see him having. He's talking to this uh, higher up that tells him to sell all these shares. And he tells this higher up that, that this could be bad. And maybe we shouldn't do it based on these rumors. But of course, as soon as this higher up guy tells him to do it, he then passes it on to Kim, who's lower than him, as if he 100% backs it. And then when Kim like is reluctant to do it, he's like, well, what, you don't work for the lemmings. And, and so it's interesting how you see that this he could be a good guy because it establishes that by showing that he doesn't really want to do it at first. But it shows that he's going down the wrong path because he's trusting in the authority. He's trusting in in the higher ups, the rich guys. Um, and that's a theme that continues with him, uh, like many of the other passengers, starting with following uh, Yong Suk because he's the authority, right? He's the rich guy. He's the guy you should follow and listen to. Um, but of course, as the movie continues, we we learn that that's actually not what you should do. And I like I do like that whole dichotomy of what they show like here's what he could have become here's what he ought to become and finally here's what he ends up being um yeah back on the topic of the infection right quick because i i think it's important to address because it's so obvious in the movie but it also is very unique is the deer reanimating because mm-hmm. zombies always interest me so much because if they're out to destroy humanity if that's their only purpose uh They'd eat all the food and stuff. They destroy everything rather than just bite and be like, "You're a zombie." Um, this thing is clearly just like a reanimating kind of virus that's out. It's clearly kind of sentient. It's clearly out to make other zombies, but it doesn't care about humans. It'll do whatever. Mm-hmm. And I find that a little. It's a, it's it's a very unique thing. You don't see that too often. Yeah, I I, I do think they do it well. As like a, it's just a very simple. Uh, host sort of thing they just want as many hosts as possible as many people to be infected um or as many things to be infected as possible uh, which is a very simple motive um and what i like what they did with the zombies is that unlike say i don't know i am legend type zombies where their senses are actually increased somewhat um you know they become stronger and better uh you know, this sort of rage type zombie, specifically in this movie, it actually doesn't really become better at senses or anything. Um, Because we can see that when you block their line of sight, they kind of forget that you're there. And I like that detail because it shows that it's using very, very, very basic brain functionality. Like, you know, you can't, there's not long-term memory or anything. No, and it doesn't even have object permanence. Like it's, this thing is a baby, like a killer baby. Mm-hmm. So it just sees non-infection and it wants to infect and it will do anything it can to infect. Uh, and I, I like that. It, it's it's simple and it's effective. Yeah, it's and that's it, it's nice because it is simple and it it gives it doesn't give you so much to think about in the movie. It's not like you have to lose yourself in it on like where exactly how it came to be how exactly it works. It's very plain Mm -hmm. and cut dry. I also think it's nice because, yeah, if you go like, um, like I I liked The Walking Dead at least for a while. (laughs) Um, And it it was a little weird. Like they went when they went to the CDC and then they were trying to describe it as a virus. And it's like, well, does it really make sense though that you have to shoot them in the head and that they will be alive even if they have no body but a head? 
That doesn't seem very scientific. And this list kind of avoids all that critique by just, it, it's just so simple. Uh, one really interesting way it avoids it is it doesn't kill a single zombie. I don't know if you noticed that, but we don't see any zombies die in the movie. Uh, yeah, that's a really good point. They're hard to kill. Like he, he's hitting one in the head with a bat repeatedly and it's fine. It was, I mean, with those like little wooden bats, it's probably not easy to bash someone's skull in, but like he, he like they don't get anywhere by just trying to kill. They can fight him off for a moment, but they never get a kill. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then that, that's good, and it really does show again that this isn't really about the zombies exactly. <laughs> the zombies, the zombies could have been a flood. They could have been a big earthquake. It, it was just some world-ending event that pushed yeah. him to have to choose between what kind of guy he was going to be. Totally. Totally. I really think the uh, I but I misdiagnosed characters. I think the uh, the homeless man is oddly enough one of the ones that interests me the most. Um, he's found and he has some. He already has like PTSD from these zombies, it seems. Um, mm-hmm. And anytime he comes across them, he just freaks out. He's always misstepping around them because he's all nervous. Because uh, he, I think he he saw the mass infection like in the station. You know, he uh, yeah. he saw everything fall apart. They've seen everything on the train, which has been rough, but they didn't see the world fall apart like he did. Um, yeah and i think this is um did you ever watch the prequel to this movie i've watched neither the prequel nor sequel but i I mean to okay yeah so and it's an animated prequel which is interesting i think it's called soul station yeah the soul station is the prequel and then i forget what the sequel is called yeah i won't give anything away but um a big part of that is how uh the homeless are the first victims to to the spread and they're also the ones who get no help from anyone. Um, you know, I, I think one scene early on in the movie, you have this homeless man like bleeding and like people are just passing right by him. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that he he was one of those homeless people and and, you know, he's he's managed to escape and he and he has all this. And and yet even even then, when he's murmuring about death, you know, the guy's like, you know, hey, if you don't have a ticket, we're going to leave you at the next station sort of thing like um and what i love is that how the homeless man is introduced is um you know this infected woman gets on the train and she gets into the bathroom and then a scene later uh you have young sook telling the attendants that hey someone weird got in the train um and then when they open the door it's the homeless man like you're expecting to see like the zombified woman and she's going to jump out but no they they're not paying attention to the zombie woman they're paying attention to the homeless guy he's the outcast uh, and I, I think that's that's so powerful that like they're focusing on the homeless guy as opposed to the uh, the zombified woman walking around on the train. You know, they know the homeless guy first. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It is a huge comment. Um, and so the way the homeless guy goes, it's crazy because uh, at the same way, the dad was like a jerk and then he went on to be like a super caring guy. The homeless man, to get like, the way you're describing it, uh, he was cast aside. He didn't get any help, but yet he still dies helping others. He helps the pregnant woman and the daughter escape. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, uh, he he ends up sacrificing himself just like uh, Song Hua did. Yeah, exactly. Ultimately, like uh, Sukwu did. I, I, and I think it just speaks to character in some way, and there's definitely deeper commentary in there. Um. So it's overall like great commentary, just put in like subtly through the movie. 
Yeah, and um, you know, some one thing I noticed uh, as like, um, and I, I don't think it's something I noticed before, but I think it's something I'm putting together this time is uh, when when they're keeping the door closed, uh, like I, I don't know if I explained this well in the summary or not, but um, that this is when they've they've locked out uh, like the 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 rest of the survivors have locked. Um, Sukwu and and that group out because they think they're infected, right? And they have to break through that door to get in, and then they get to another door, and Young Suk actually tries closing it on them. Um, but Young Guk manages to like get his arm in there, and the door doesn't close all the way. But the guy's like still trying to keep the door closed along with other passengers, like they're trying to force it closed on them. And during this, the you know, Young Sook, the the COO, you know, Mr. Rich guy, Mr. Throw everyone to the zombies as long as he keeps me alive guy, um, is like looking at uh Suan, who's there crying on the other side of the door, and, and he and he sees her, and he's still trying to keep the door closed. And for me, this is uh a metaphor for the rich trying to close the door on on the younger generation, you know, preventing them from having a future due to their own greed and self and selfishness. And, and that, that to me is what that is, what that scene is. I mean, yeah, very okay. I never read into it like that. Um, I just read into it. It's like, why wow, he's going to do that to a kid? What a jerk. Um, but yeah, I think that it's just riddled with those kind of social commentaries. Um, yeah. Uh, and I think especially the, um uh gosh i so i made to remember all these names for some reason um but yeah, yeah young young sook uh i think is definitely representative of of this upper echelon right and and the crazy thing is is that like sook Wu says earlier in the movie that hey you don't work for lemmings but the thing is is that all these passengers are behaving like lemmings they they are just following the word of of the COO as the authority figure and not thinking for themselves, um, and you could see that as uh, as one of the flaws in society, right? That um, you know here we are casting out homeless people and everything when these uh, upper echelon types are uh, you know consuming all the resources, right, and making it worse for everyone, and ultimately getting everyone killed <laughs> chased by zombies <laughs> yeah no it's it's huge and uh what i thought I, i'm curious about what exactly the dad's position was at his company i don't think it ever like specifically says it but he's basically he's a hedge fund manager i don't know like where that is ranking status wise you know yeah i, I kind of look at it as you know he he makes enough to have like a really nice audi <laughs> that we see in the movie right you know he has a nice big apartment, a nice Audi, um, but he's still under those like types like like Young Sook, right? He's still under them. Uh, like in the beginning of the movie, you know, he's still taking orders from another guy and passing it down. Um, so I think he stri- he like aspires to be uh, someone like Young Sook. Um, and and the way that I actually and I sort of included this in the survey and maybe I shouldn't have uh, in the question, but I I sort of see 
when Sukwu gets killed at the end of the movie, um, he is being like he has become the man that he should be, and he is killed by the man that he used to aspire to be. And and so yeah, I, I think he was after that sort of upper echelon place for himself and for his own family, you know, for selfish reasons. Um but you know that that he he saw the light, so to speak. Well, and um, I think to build on that, he not only becomes man he should be, he casts away those aspirations of what he should have been when he casts away when he throws that guy off the train. Um, yeah, once he's infected. And and also speaking of his uh, character development, I think that was really well done in this movie, and I liked um, the pacing they have with it. It never felt like he suddenly changed, uh, like the first moment that he changes is after pretty much a near death experience. Um, you know, they're at the, uh, Dijon, uh, station and, uh, you know, and the zombies are, are rushing towards them, you know, the military zombies and, uh, and he, he gets tackled by one. Right. And he, he almost dies, but the homeless guy like puts a jacket over the zombie and he managed to escape. And then he holds the doors closed with, uh, Sung Hua and uh, and the others, um, and that there is like the first time when he's not doing something just for himself, and I think that's when his character really starts to shift. And then they further develop that when he has to fight with um, with the other two uh, to get back to his daughter, and, uh, and that's really when his character changes. I say that's when we start seeing like actions speaking to his change. I think the first time that we see like that kind of glimpse of change for him is when he closes the door on Sang Hua and his wife and uh, mm-hmm. he gets on the other side and he's just, and he says like, Hey, you jerk. Why'd you close the door on us? He got called out on it. And I think mm-hmm. there's like a moment of reflection there that uh, you can kind of pick up on of. He's just like, why did I do that? That was such, I was, I was a jerk. Yeah. Like he is defensive about it, but yeah. yeah I, and it makes sense, right? I think if you close the door, in such a situation on a pregnant woman. Yeah. I mean, you've got to feel something, right? Unless you're Young Sook, in which case you're already lost. Yeah, you're, there's no saving Young Sook. <laughs> oh, man. Should we talk about Young Sook and probably how angry everyone was? At oh, him? I mean, what I find most ridiculous about him is, like, I think the epitome of, like, what Young Sook is, is when he kills, what's it, Jin Hee? Is that her name? Something like that? Yes, Jin Hee. Jin Hee, um, he... He's on that train uh, with a, a baseball player boyfriend is breaking up in the window and mm-hmm. he makes just like this like two second moment of eye contact with her. She looks her up and down. She looks at him and then he's just like, yeah, okay. And then he just throws her towards the zombies. Like after <laughs> he takes that moment mm-hmm. to look at her and she's like, is she someone I could throw to zombies? And he's just like, yeah, she's someone I could throw to zombies. Um, oh, and in that time he could have closed the doors or something. <laughs> It's... Yeah, it that that's the most infuriating part, right? And what really makes you hate him is he he runs out of the other train, right? At that point, he closed the door behind him. Um, he runs into this new train, at which point he could close the door on the zombies. But instead, what he does is what he did to uh, the train attendant that he got killed, um, and he just throws her to the zombies like he did with the other guy. Like it, by that point, he's like human life is just as worthless as 
or or just as easy for him as closing a door. Like it's the same thing. It's the same yeah. function. Whatever it keeps him alive, he doesn't care. And uh, and and also when he throws the conductor to the zombies after the conductor left his train to save him, and he just tosses him away, like he is relentless. Like. Hey. He, it's it's absurd. It really is. Even when he's shown kindness, he poisons that, and he gets he pulls you down with him. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm, I I laugh at that scene a little bit when he just throws it to the zombies. It's just, it's just that two second stare. It's, it's just it's just, like, <laughs> it's just like this like kind of moment of just like understanding between the two. She's just like, "Are you gonna do it?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> this will do." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Oh man, though it is—it's so sad, though. Uh... And uh, one thing I picked up on that I don't think I picked up on too well in the past movies—maybe I did, and I just don't remember—is when the train comes up and it splits the two, uh, the group into two, uh, after the big train hits, and it's like Jin Hee and her boyfriend, and on the other side it's the homeless man, pregnant woman, uh, father and daughter. Mm-hmm. Is uh, they think that the other part of the group is dead. Like at that point. And it may it justifies so much harder the decision to let Jin Hee bite him. Because at that point, everyone he knows is dead. Because they, they shoot the shot of the train like against the other train and you can't see the other ones. For all they know, like the other cars collapsed and killed them. Yeah, it, it looks like they got crushed, is the, the from their perspective. Um Jin Hee and uh I got I got this. Um Yes, please. Yongguk, that's it. Yongguk. Yongguk. Jin Hee and Yongguk. Um, so from their perspective, and they show this in the in the movie, um, it looks like they got just got crushed between the two trains. Exactly. And I mean, Young Gook already froze up earlier when he couldn't fight his team, even though they were all zombies. Mm-hmm. And so just like him getting up right there with Jin He going, I just it made it makes so much sense. And I like, I, I honestly couldn't say I wouldn't do the same at that point. Yeah, I mean it's. Yeah, you know, what do you do? I mean, your family's probably dead at that at that point. You know, your um everyone you know has died, like all your classmates, your friends, um, and now what probably might have been his love, uh, along with the survivors that he knew, all dead. I mean, yeah. Most of the time I get really upset when a character will like hold another character until it kills them as well. Mm-hmm. But like that's that's one of the few ones where I'm just like that. I, I get I get you there. I really do. Um, in fact, like, I don't even know. I mean, the only other thing I could see him doing is like in anger, maybe killing um, so, uh, Young Sook or something mm. and then still getting killed by zombies. Yeah. yeah <laughs> but either way, like, I don't see him leaving that situation and trying to survive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's crazy. And. I think that his whole character arc is kind of an interesting one because it, it clearly takes place in a world where zombies, like as lots of zombie things are, especially towards the beginning of when we first saw zombies come into pop culture, uh, any world that zombies do appear, there's not the precedent for zombies. Like media doesn't have zombies and all that. We don't like mm-hmm. The Walking Dead isn't airing in already. Um, there wasn't Night of the Living Dead in The Walking Dead, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um. So to see, then it makes it so much more easy to understand when he like sees all his teammates and he's just like, I can't do it. Those are my friends. Even though to us it's so easy to say, 
no, those those are zombies now. You're fine. Beat them up. Uh, I want to talk a moment uh, about the very last scene we see of the two walking through the dark tunnel. Mm-hmm. And it's funny when you watch it with people because, like, they say, like, we can't confirm if they're infected. And, like, the guy over the radio says, like, okay, well, then shoot them. And then we're just like, don't. Like, so many people get so upset in the room. They're just like, I swear, if she dies and you showed me this movie, Marshall, I'm going to hurt you. And I'm like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And no one said anything in chat, but I'm fairly certain that anyone who just watched it for the first time was furious for a second there, but they were just too held up in suspense to talk in our chat. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, and and the the interesting thing is, is that, of course, um, you know, Sung Kyung, who's pregnant and probably injured, I'd imagine somewhat, um, but like pregnant and having a hard time, like she's like stumbling, uh, right? And and of course, you can only see their silhouettes. Um, and so you could actually see how like th- they can't confirm if they're infected or not, right? They, they could be moving like like a zombie. Um, and at that point, I mean, you know that the uh, military in certain parts has already been overrun. They're not taking chances anymore. So you could see why they'd just be like, okay, shoot them. Like, if you can't confirm, shoot them. Uh, even if it's a potential woman and child, uh, which is quite interesting. I think it shows uh, what they've had to do to secure that area that they're in. And I mean, when they're entering that tunnel, they walk through what was clearly a blockade they had set up that they lost control of. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it really just shows the state the world's in at that point. Yeah, early South Korea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was just them. Yeah, I mean, they, they could have done it 28 days later where it actually was just the UK. Mm-hmm. You know, separation by water. Um. Oh man, though. Um, One scene I would like to talk about as well is... uh when um is it, is it Jonggil or Ingil? No, it's Jonggil. So so Jonggil and Ingil, they're sisters, right? Yes. And uh Ingil dies. Um and it's a little weird how she dies. She like it's almost like she gives up, to be honest. Like uh like she doesn't run for like into the safe car like the others do. She kinda like stays back almost. And it seems like she gives up. Maybe you have an opinion on that. But she dies. And then Jonggil, uh, you know, seeing like how selfish the survivors are being and seeing her sister is like a zombie now. And then she says, fuck this, basically. And opens up the door and lets all the zombies in and they kill everyone. <laughs> yeah, that was huge. Like that was, as an audience, that blows you away, really. Because I don't think we we don't see much like that in a zombie movie of someone just being like, all right, I'm going to let them in. Yeah. And it's also interesting too, because, um, and some people might find this as, uh, somewhat of, a error in this movie. Um, is the survivors decide to blockade the door, uh, facing the vestibule that the, uh, survivors are in, um, you know, that they think are infected. And, and they're like shutting that off instead of barricading the door where they know for a fact zombies are on the other side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it actually makes sense to me because th- th- they have this greater fear of of the outcasts, which 
uh, Young Sook made clear were these other survivors. And also the survivors can actually open doors, whereas they think the zombies can't open doors. Yeah. And it's because the reason they blockaded the other door before wasn't because the zombies that for the zombies, they just covered it up with like by using a. Uh, a uh, fire extinguisher, uh, fire engine, extinguisher. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they didn't actually barricade. They only barricaded it once they knew the other survivors were coming. So mm. for me, that actually makes a lot of sense. No, I, I agree. It's it's them being more afraid of people uh, and honestly, just facing the people that they know they outcasted. And saying, like, mm-hmm. if they're more outcasted, then we don't have to face that. Um, and yeah, it's it's crazy. And uh, what I, lo- I love that the uh, she sounds so resentful in her little monologue before she opens that door to let the zombies in uh, yes. towards the sister. And it's beautifully written, though, and beautifully acted out because while she's saying resentful words, she's really telling her sister, You were everything. Like, she's saying, like, why did you have to go and help everyone? Why did you have to go and like save people? Um, why did you have to be so good? Um, she's saying it resentfully, but like she's telling her sister, I thought the world of you. Um, and now you're gone while these terrible people are here just trying to keep other people trapped, outcasted. Uh, it speaks, I, it speaks volumes and it was just so well written. And you're talking about, it was. uh, that the sister, uh, Shaking her head to say, like, no, just close the door. I'm here with the zombies now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, it's just part of her character, like how giving she is. We see in the beginning when she's offering her sister, like, the egg. She's just like, no, no, you eat it. I'm, I'm okay. She's always taking care of other people. Um, And I think she just knows she's too old to even make it like that. What's got to be five feet at most to the door before zombies can get there, at least reliably. So she's just like, no, let's just, just cut it. And she's saving her sister, too. She knows that. She gives her that little smile. And that smile breaks my heart, dude. Yeah, it, it, it breaks mine, too, man. They, they You're so right. Um, They did it so well. And this is a scene that I think I appreciate more the more I watch this movie. Um, And and yeah, I, I think that um, the John, the John Gill is it, it is really, I mean, I think she's just facing the fact that, yeah, that these these terrible people who've done terrible things like Young Sook are alive and her good doing sister is dead. And she sort of gets revenge on them like a last hurrah to get retribution on them. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I don't I don't have a crazy amount to say on this movie for now. And, um, I cried three times. Uh, the sibling situation made me cry with the two sisters say goodbye. Mm-hmm. Uh and then, oh god, I can't remember how exactly I split it up, but like, I cry once when we see the father saying goodbye and sees infected and all, and the daughter's just like, "No, don't do it." Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of blends in with when he jumps off the train. There's a little bit of separation there. I just go into like a a slow sob in between, like when he's doing that. But then the flashbacks start, yeah. and I just go deep into it again. Um, oh yeah, man, <laughs> that is rough. Those flashbacks um, were brutal. That was. That was just cruel. Yeah, so so in this final scene, just to give everyone a picture, so they're they're on this locomotive. Sukwu has just thrown Young Suk off of the train, zombified Young Suk off of the train, and he's been bitten. He knows he doesn't have much time, so he gets his he gets his daughter and uh, Seon Kyung into the train car, basically says his goodbyes and everything. And then he goes to throw himself off the back of the train. And 
this scene is it's very hard not to cry at because of Suan's acting or her actor like her sobbing and screams feel so real and we saw this in the chat um and i think that's what got people the most was she they felt so real and then he goes to the back of the train and is crying along the way um and leans against the back of the train and has this flashback of when he first saw his daughter um and he smiles and leans off the train and yeah and is gone and man what a what a freaking scene one one of the saddest scenes in cinema <laughs> honestly yes and um i think the third time i cry is when we hear the song she's singing and mm-hmm. uh the, it it took me a few watches to pick it up uh, it's easy to tell it's the same song she was trying to sing earlier that she couldn't because her dad wasn't there, like at her recitation. Mm-hmm. Um, but later in the movie, he tells her, "No, uh, of course I knew. Of course I knew you couldn't sing in recitation. I'm always watching." And so her singing that song is saying, "Like my dad's watching me right now." Um, yes, absolutely. And that, that was just like, "Oh my god, don't do this to me!" Not before they get shot, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. And and of course, like, you know, she's singing this and then like the the military guys like go to brush in and get them out of there, you know, and yeah, it's just such a powerful scene. And oh man, so freaking good. And the way they rush around her too, it just says safety. This is like they're finally safe. Thank God. Yeah. And, and there's just this giant relief yeah. for the audience, you know, and like the which probably makes you cry even more. Yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah just that uh, they, they've made it um it's all and, waterworks yeah and and of course you know the reason also she's able to sing that song is because of how her dad changed um and i think she saw that and and again how how he was still watching her and and yeah and that's how she was able to sing and tell them that they weren't infected so like even at that last possible second you could still say that he was still saving her and he did his job so Mm. uh i i think what yeah definitely what makes this movie so special is that spectacular character arc of sukwu i think it is perhaps unmatched because in a movie in that short of a time period it is so hard to get a true character development arc that means something but they do it flawlessly in this movie with Sukwu. It's it is really it is flawlessly done. It amazes me so much. Um, uh, I don't have anything more to say on the movie. Ian. I'm ready to go into surveys. Any last thoughts you have before we hop in them? Uh, I think I'm ready to go into surveys too. Uh, gosh, I'm just I'm just looking through uh, all my notes just to make sure. Um. No, I'll go and start. We I asked. That. Oh wait, oh, wait. Let's see. Sorry, no, I found something. So this is actually a very interesting scene. Uh, so analyst Kim, this is when they're imprisoned in the vestibule. Uh, analyst Kim calls Sukwoo, uh, and and is is like sobbing and saying that this and is asking him if they have something to do with this. Uh, because the shares that they sh- that they sold at the start of the movie, they sold all of, um, were either for or related to this biotech company. 
and he's like asking if it's their fault that this happened, if they caused this. Um, and Sequelite tries to comfort him, saying that they they didn't. But when he hangs up, he then washes the blood that he has on his hands, um, you know, from fighting zombies and stuff, and he washes it in in the re- in the vestibule restroom that he's in on the call. And so that is is pretty evident symbolism there that he did in some way have something to do with this chemical leak. Uh, so that that's, that's quite something. And, and uh, for the longest time and still now, I'm not completely sure how they're connected. I think it's a bit of an indirect thing. And I, I tried doing a bunch of research on this to see if someone had an answer and, and maybe there's something that was missed in translation um, but as far as I can tell, it seems that, uh, and and Kim also man- like says that it was like the centerpiece of their plan or something. There's something going on there. Um, but as far as I can tell, it appears that they saved this biotech company out of bankruptcy originally uh, for some plan, um, and that you know this company had not very like uh, inadequate safety um, precautions and you had this leak of course but on top of that uh, you know these rumors that they had this insider information instead of releasing that publicly they used that to profit by selling their shares before that information got out so it seems they could have released that information sooner but they didn't so that they could pull out their money without uh, losing a bunch first. So uh, that, that's as much as I could put together there. But it it's, seems important. Yeah, and it's the, that is strong symbolism. And it's interesting hearing analyst Kim thank him so much after he used the phone. He's like, thank you, thank you for taking this off my hands, for telling me I'm not guilty. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy to see. Yeah, and it's it was a really cool little addition. Yeah, but yeah, that 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 should be it. That that cool. was the last uh, note I had that I hadn't said anything about. All right, awesome. Uh, we asked how scary did we find the movie. Uh, we had one person answer a one. We had two people answer an eight, and the rest fall around the middle. We have like a couple threes, five, six, and seven. Um, I'm actually surprised by the eights. I know. I'm I'm shocked that there are so many... Sc- I, I think that's just a couple of our scaredy cats. That's okay. <laughs> I, I think it might have... I think it's just a sort of um, general fear of zombies, probably. Yeah. I imagine it's that, that's it, what it is. While it's not scary, it does do a wonderful job of hanging you in suspense at times. Like when um, our big fighter guy is trying to get back on the train, and he like runs from the train to grab the shield and everything first. Like It does a good job of holding you in suspense in those moments, so... Well, it wasn't scary. It does a great job. Maybe they came off as scary for some people. Mm -hmm. Um, So our Paths of Fear question was, we didn't ask scary because we didn't find it too scary, but we asked which aspect of the movie hurt to see the most. Um, So we had the selfish surviving as they needlessly throw away the lives of others to ensure their own survival. Uh, The idea that one bite can reduce even the most righteous to unrecognizable bloodlusting husks of their former selves. Yeah, survivors acting as lemmings and entrusting the COO with authority despite it ultimately causing their demise. And we had the father finally realizing what it means to be a good father and a good person only to be killed by the man he once aspired to be. Which do you think took the cake? 
Oh, probably the the one that I wrote too much <laughs> or got into the details too much. But I'm I'm guessing that uh, the father being killed by the man he once aspired to be is the most. Okay, interesting, interesting. And what what do you think didn't touch him? What what do you think just wasn't oh, there gosh. for? Um, it leaves the by reducing them, the survivors being lemmings for the COO and the selfish surviving as they throw away. Probably the lemmings, at least. Okay, okay. Uh, so the most was actually the selfish surviving. That that was a hot majority. Oh, um, there you go. As they thought there's a way. Uh, the father, realizing what it means to be a good father, was not voted on at all. So. What? <laughs> <laughs> Why am I so bad? <laughs> I think Every you'll get Every time. <laughs> Every time. The other ones seem to have like one vote each, so. <laughs> no oh wait okay actually no i'm sorry the color got got it wrong the father realizing tied for last place so you got some going okay so. the least was that the bike can reduce someone uh oh well so you weren't totally topsy-turvy like just 75 percent topsy-turvy so that's pretty solid <laughs> <laughs> um so uh, well one day we got a little more in depth on our survey this time. I asked just a couple more questions. We asked of our characters, which do you identify with the most? Uh, our options were the COO, your survival matters over all others. The big man, you're a fighter, and you would sacrifice yourself for others in a fight. The helpless, you're alive by the grace of God and because of the, because others helped you along the way. And then the helper, there's no point to continuing without someone else. Uh, you may not be the toughest, but you'll go long before them. Uh, which one would you say you are you? I would say I'm the helper for sure, actually. Uh, uh, I could very much see me as like, uh, I mean, I, I guess it depends on the character, but um, I think the most helpers character is probably um, Yongguk, the, the baseball player. Um, like he, he's like, so I would probably see myself as, as him the most. I can see situations. I'd say him and Seokwu actually tie. Uh, yeah. It's just because he, we never have to see him lose his daughter, but I feel like if he lost his daughter, he'd just be like, all right. That's it. I'm Audi. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How about you? No, I'd agree. I'm the helper. Like, if I have a survivor I'm with that I knew before, and I saw them go, like it would be hard to continue. Like, uh, whether it be the girl I'm with, whether it be a family member, whether it be just a good friend of mine that we happen to be surviving together. Like, if I lost them, that 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 feels like the end of the world at that point. Aw, very sweet. Mm-hmm. And uh, is a uh, podcast partner included in that? No. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. If it, I'm the COO when it comes to podcast partner. <laughs> 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 All right, Ian, good podcasting with yeah. you, buddy, but uh, it's time for you to go. <laughs> um, yeah. Most of our viewers said that they, half of them said they were the helpless. Uh, they're alive by the grace of God because others helped them along the way. And then a good chunk of them said the helper, and one person actually said they were the COO, which like, okay, buddy. Ooh. Oh, I see you. oh. So tell me who that one is. Uh, I'll know who to not be in the <laughs> apocalypse with. I imagine they wouldn't choose to throw someone at zombies instead of close the door, though. I feel like they're not. Yeah, going. I think that should be pretty common sense for most yeah. people. <laughs> so here's one. It's kind of like another passive fear question. Uh, but which loss hurt the most and or do you think would hurt the most for you? 
uh, our options were sibling, parent, lover, and there was the option of other, but no one took that option. Uh, how about you, Ian? What would it be for you? Let's see. So the options were sibling, parents, and lover. Yes. Right. Oh, gosh. Well, it's between sibling and parent. Okay. Um, I mean, it's kind of made easy because I don't currently have a lover. So There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think in general, this would probably be true regardless. Um, gosh, man. I mean, both my sibling, both at least one of my siblings listens to this podcast. And <laughs> at least one of my parents listens to this podcast. So uh, this is rough. You've put me in a rough spot. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I could choose between those two. Honestly, I I feel like they'd be both as def. I feel like they'd both be as devastating for me. Honestly, while both would be devastating, I think the loss of my sister would hit me the hardest. Just because uh, if my parents are still alive and my sister's gone. My parents are never going to be the same. Like they are. That's, that's a fair point. That's actually. gonna that's gonna hit them hard. Uh, it's gonna hit me hard, and uh, I think that we all agree, like of my family, that like one of us dying in that situation, we we've lost a lot more years. You know, we didn't get to grow up, and my parents are totally that, sad. That, that's fair. I, I guess I guess I would then go with go with my sister. Sorry, mom. I know you're listening. <laughs> I but I would not throw you to the zombies, okay? I oh, would close okay. the door instead. Which of your family would you throw to the zombies? Is our next one? No, I'm kidding. I uh, yeah. Let me uh, let me get on that. <laughs> they don't listen to the podcast, and that's why. So. <laughs> <laughs> let me make a few calls. He's listening. Come on. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think just the sibling would be too lost, and like. And one of the reasons I have a great relationship with my sister is because of this wonderful thing my mom pointed out to me of like your sibling uh, is going to be the person you know for longest in your life. Um, like it, like our parents are going to pass away one day and then we have a whole lot of life without them. Um, but mm -hmm. your sibling is like going to be there 99% of your life, you know? Ideally. Uh, yeah. That's a really good point. So yeah, it's just it's hard stuff. Um, a lover like that one, I think that's easiest to say no to because they're not family. But like, if it's someone you've met, you're married to, you have like a really nice marriage and all, like things are just going great between you two. That would be that would be just catastrophic to lose them. Um, I I could see it definitely being different. Like I mean, once you've been married for like, I mean, yeah. it also just depends on the person. But I mean, say like you've been married happily lovingly for you know five ten years even longer perhaps i mean by that point they are your family yeah. right so it then again it becomes another difficult thing um so yeah just just not to discredit anyone who says lover because that, that yeah that, that's right. okay <laughs> i mean your siblings and parents are welcome to be angry at you about that but yeah we, we get it it's okay who needs thanksgivings i mean traitor <laughs> um all right <laughs> So I asked the classic zombie apocalypse question for a long one. I asked, where's your ideal place to be when the zombie apocalypse breaks out? But I asked, where are you more likely to be and how do you act in each scenario? Um, how about you, Ian? What, what would you be like your ideal spot? Oh, ideal spot. I should have thought of this. I have so much time before I know these <laughs> survey questions that I never think ahead of time. Um, 
I know a lot of places that I've heard of being really good, but I got to say probably the best place for me to be would be like in a in a cabin in like, you know, off the grid cabin in like Canada <laughs> with uh like a little um greenhouse <laughs> or something <laughs> would probably be the best place to be. See, just of the places I know in my life, I think the best place I would want to be is oddly enough, rural Texas. Hmm. Just because so many people there are going to have guns to fight zombies off. <laughs> and it's also wide open now. Like, the zombies are going to get fought off. Like, you don't have to worry about cities and stuff. I mean, the only thing is, I mean, Texas as it is now, like, if I were to go there, I'd be worried about getting shot. Exactly. If there's people running fear. around as zombies, I mean, I'm even more worried about oh, yeah. getting shot. You deal with the human dynamic to a great <laughs> extent there. Um, <laughs> another thing that uh, that I'd be <laughs> just knowing our uh, history with COVID, uh, I feel like I'd I'd tell someone like, "Hey, don't forget your armor padding." To be like, I don't have to wear armor padding. Oh, no, please. <laughs> yeah, just wear your armor padding. Yeah. Don't tell me what yeah. to do. <laughs> These are my rights. <laughs> my country can't take that. No, there's no country. You don't understand. Oh, um, man. Where oh, are you more likely your... to be? Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, you, you asked me first. That's right. Yeah, um, <laughs> where, where I'm probably most likely uh, to be at home. Um, and... At that point, uh, and and home is currently it changes for me now because you know I'm in college, so home changes from year to year <laughs> where I am. But oh, yes. let's just say I'm in a house. It's a little tough. Like um, it also depends on the location. Uh, let, let's just say that I'm at my parents' house, um, just because that's I don't really have a permanent residence right now, so I just say my parents' house. So I think if I'm in my parents' house um, with my parents. Man, it's so hard to say because it depends on like the state of everything. I don't know if we would like stay put and like barricade or like if we would try to go somewhere else. But given the location, I'd, I'd have to think that we'd probably stay in barricade. Um, and I'd also imagine that would be the recommendation from the government, or at least that typically is in these movies, is like stay inside. And we already see like in an actual pandemic, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to stay inside. Um, so that there's some, uh, something backing that up as well. So I, I think we probably stay put, uh, you know, barricade the place up. We have some, um, you know, guns. <laughs> so, uh, probably not enough like ammunition for zombies, but, um, you know, go ahead and barricade ourselves in, uh, use our dogs to, to warn us of incoming zombies. Um, but yeah, probably just try to stay put and out of sight. Yeah, uh, my family's probably the same. My mom is like a bit of a an apocalypse pre prepper, you know. She's always buying like canned food and stuff, just like in case things go wrong. Um, well, my my family forgets that we have canned food, so we <laughs> also stock up by accident. Well, there you go, perfect. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, she's always thinking about like that survival stuff. It's always in the back of her head. I think that's really useful to have. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I think everyone should prepare for zombie apocalypse, not because a zombie apocalypse will happen, 
but because disasters happen, you know, whether yeah. it's a, a local fire, maybe your house catches on fire, maybe um, there's a wildfire nearby, maybe there's a flood, a tornado, like an earthquake. No, it's not. I think it's, yeah, I think you cannot go wrong by preparing for the zombie apocalypse, you know, have a, a go pack, a, some necessary tools. I think that's a really good idea. Yeah. Um, so I, I most likely, I'm going to say the same probably at my parents' house because I don't have a permanent residence as well. Uh, and we probably, we probably bar- barricade, fill up all the tubs and stuff, um, charge the phones. That's just because my dad's like, he's, he's a big zombie expert. So like he knows Max Brooks zombie survival guide just too well. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I read that as well. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we just try to tough it out. We might. It's sad to say, but we might kill our dogs pretty early on because uh, our dogs don't know how not to bark. And that's going to be a problem. Uh, yeah. Well, that's tough to think about. <laughs> yeah, it's harsh. Uh, <laughs> it's real harsh. Uh, um, yeah, one, one of our dogs. Well, I mean, if there's a zombie outside, I can't imagine they'll be quiet. Um, exactly. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, it's a hard one to think about. Um, uh, so of our answers, someone says a Lowe's Garden Center because it has all of your needs. And then they said, I'll read it how they typed it. I would probably be in my apartment when shit hits the fan and I'd die or head first day. My eyes are real leaking. Um, so this person was obviously crying still when they wrote out their response. Um, rough. <laughs> yes. And uh, they just accept that they would be gone, which is, uh, you know what? That's all right. We can't, we can't all survive it. Uh, I would definitely encourage trying. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if you gave it your all and things just didn't go your way, so be it. Um, Someone says, I'd like to be in a heavily protected area that is self-sustaining, like wouldn't we all, but uh, I'll most likely be at home. In the first scenario, I'll help the community however I can. In the more likely scenario of being home, I'll probably die. <laughs> Damn. Uh, These people, uh, did our audience is ready to accept death. Holy crap. <laughs> did, do not barricade yourselves with our audience. Yeah, they will yeah. just open the door and let the zombies in. Oh, jeez. Uh, oh, here we go. Uh, at my parents' house in the mountains, of three giant dogs would be ideal. Uh, we just talked about the dogs. Would that be ideal? Um, That's a good question. I, I mean, wouldn't, like, because... Uh, how much damage does a dog do to a zombie? Like, even if it's trying to go for the jugular and stuff, a zombie doesn't care. Yeah, although a really big dog, I mean... No, a big dog just scares people, you know? I mean, it scares... But, I mean, there is also, like, something real to it. I mean, like, a big dog can really... Can tackle someone to the ground and uh, and go for the neck. But, yeah, it, it depends, man. And I, zombies might scare the fuck out of your dog. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know. I mean, I, my dog's one stand up to a zombie. Like, what the frick is this? Um, I feel like it would be good for one zombie, and like it would attract that one zombie is the issue. Mm, um, yeah, I would most likely be at a dance studio or at home. If I were at home, I would check all the doors and windows, close curtains, etc. Do a walk around with a dog to make sure we're alone, then hunker down. But as I dance class, I'd probably try to get home to my husband and dog as quickly as possible, then hunker down. Which is fair. I think it's good to try to get to a good place. Um, yeah. Were there any more? Uh there's there's a good chunk more actually. Um, oh, awesome. Uh, keep going. Keep going. I would love to be on a farm in the middle of nowhere so I can be self-sufficient without the fear of tons of zombies. I'd probably be at home, though, and I'll most likely die in most scenarios as I am asthmatic and I can't really run far. So either an asthma <laughs> attack takes me or the zombies. 
Jesus. That kind of makes me think of Zombieland. Yeah. Um, an old castle would be dope, but in each scenario, I'd probably cry into my canned soup regardless. I've <laughs> <laughs> resorted to sadness, dude. Is that worse? <laughs> is that... But there, there is something to be said about answering the surveys immediately after you watch this movie. Huh? Yeah. This is a hopelessness. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's hard to have hopelessness. Uh, okay. My ideal place is a dick sporting goods there's plenty of weapons there the area is defensible and i'd survive off of the sunflower seeds and beef jerky at the checkout counter also there'd be <laughs> less people there than in some places like a regular shopping mall and lots of people is something i want to avoid and most likely just end up in my house though in the mall i'd lock myself away in the gun area make sure everyone followed my lead or they'd have to get out i'm the only one with the guns after all luckily for me i'm kind of a doomsday prepper if i was stuck in my house i'd lock myself in my basement where i have enough food to sustain myself for a couple of years after that i come out hopefully the world is no longer gone to crap by then hmm. that's fair i mean fair if point that, if you have probably the most well prepared one yeah and, and they're not giving up right away so i like it ideal a cold mountain with sustainable food and energy more likely a small city in the ideal scenario i would chill out on my cold mountain more likely scenario i would try to get to canada to fight cold mountains <laughs> just really shooting for that cold mountain goal right there <laughs> will not settle for warm mountains um ideally i'd be in the well-stocked bomb shelter i constructed in my head as an anxious child realistically i'd be in my basement completely unaware of society breaking down until the undead began to pour through the ground level windows <laughs> you are you are more oblivious than me maybe i feel like i at least i've heard of it and like i, I don't keep up with the world events at all so <laughs> haven't checked the twitter feed in a while and suddenly zombies are climbing through the windows <laughs> speaking of a uh, zombie land the, the last sentence is i try to keep my head and remember to beware of bathrooms and always double tap uh there you go yeah some good responses yeah you know i i will say um after hearing those uh i might re rewrite my preferred place instead of like now i think an isolated cabin in canada is good but what probably be best is actually if you got stuck in like a small town like super small town's local grocer like i i think that might be good because like you have like a lot of resources but it won't be stormed by like a ton of people you know yeah i think that's fair um what I'm curious about is there's so many people that would like avoid big grocery stores and stuff. Like, would it actually end up being safe in our world that like so many people avoid it that only like 10 people show up? I mean, I don't know, man. Do you see what happened with toilet paper and COVID-19? I mean, that's true. That's true. It's <laughs> so the first thing to go is toilet paper in the zombie apocalypse. That's right. <laughs> the canned food's all there, but oh, yeah. the toilet paper's gone. <laughs> you know you can use water, right? <laughs> Well, or just like had something. Uh, uh, any last thoughts you have, Ian, before you cut cut it out? This is a really good movie. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's it's a must see, honestly. Yeah, I I think uh, an average score of nine point five for us, well deserved for this movie. Maybe, oh, yeah. maybe it should be higher. Maybe I maybe I fucked <laughs> it, but uh, <laughs> it's it's so good. Such a good movie. Yeah. Um. I don't even know if I ever want to watch the sequel because I know it won't be as good. Like it can't be. It's impossible, you know. It's it's harsh, yeah. It's it's a harsh act to follow. Um, well, guys, we've been Paz of Fear. Thank you all so much for stopping by. Uh, you can check us out on Twitch. We try to stream Wednesdays and Saturdays. We're not great at it, but we try. 
We do try. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and uh, if you'd like to participate in our audience, help us choose our next movies and uh, watch the movies with us, give your opinions, all that good mess, uh, go ahead and click the link in this episode description uh, to join our Discord. Um, Now with that, uh, we will be going on break for a couple weeks here, missing a few episodes. We're hoping we can release some bonus content um, test that out, uh, which we might be putting on Patreon at some point. Uh, we'd need a lot. Um, we don't want to really want to start a Patreon until we have a, you know, some more interest in our podcast. But uh, you know, testing out some bonus content, hopefully. So uh, look out for that. Anyways, uh, thanks for listening. Yeah, and whatever the case, we'll be giving you guys content on that break. So don't worry, we're not going anywhere for sure. And thank you so much, and y'all have a wonderful rest of your week.